Hello, welcome to the Wimlex show. I think it's episode number 11 uh, without Willem today, but uh, uh, he is here uh, um, uh, and uh, sent us some questions at least. Uh, and that's how he is going to participate on the podcast. Uh, though we are talking today about uh, uh, MediaMark and Saturn, um, the uh, US CTO and uh, in this company structure, uh, about your experience of TIO versus CTO versus like technical strategies, all the stuff. Uh, uh, in depth today. Uh, and before we're um, starting with the first question, maybe introduce yourself a little bit uh, and tell us a little bit about your history and your current role. Okay, well, thank you. And, uh, and thank you for having me here. Uh, I'm excited to be here and talk to, uh, to, talk to, your, to you and your audience. Um, my, um, my history, so um, as you can tell from my, my accent, I am uh, English. Um, but actually, my, my parents are from India. Um, I was born in the UK um, and raised in the UK. Um, and so I spent all of my life there. Um, um, in my uh, life, I think I would describe my career in, in three phases. Uh, the first phase was with, um, with Accenture. I was a management consultant. Uh, I left uh, university doing an engineering degree, joined, joined Accenture um, and spent 16 years with them, made it a partner um, and decided to move on. Um, I then moved on and joined Tesco. Uh, Tesco is a large UK and global retailer um, and um, when I joined them they were in the UK as, and they were also in many markets in Asia and Europe. Um, they were also launching in the US at the time. Um, and so um, I joined them as an operations director. So I moved from technology into the business, into an operations team. I ran an operations team. Um, and then I moved, um, as Tesco evolved, into technology. Um, I saw Tesco evolve from a single channel to a multi-channel um, retailer and the evolution of that from, uh, from the perspective of business process, from the perspective of business model, and from what it means to technology. Um, I um, then left there um, after doing um, a number of roles. I did a, 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 um, an operations director role. I did the CIO of Asia role. Then I became the group CIO um, um, for firstly for operations and then for um, all of the uh, systems that customers touch. So that's um, the club card systems, the online systems, the in-store systems. I looked after all those. Um, I then left. I then set up my own company. My own company was all about um, digital transformation, so I worked with a number of customers to help them um, on their transformation journey. We just did that at Tesco. I led the transformation change there with a number of my colleagues there uh, to help transform the, the technology team there. Um, I then, um, as part of my company, worked with a number of customers to do the same thing. Um, and about uh, nine months ago, um, I came here, uh, MediaMark uh, in, in Munich. Um, I actually came here um, um, with the mindset of kind of what I do as a consultant. Um, um, and I like the story so much, I joined the business. So I joined the business um, about seven months ago now, um, early May, and um, have been there ever since. Um, I, I know most of the German listeners know uh, a lot about media market. They maybe give, can you give us some rough numbers about how many employees uh, are there? How many uh, retail stores do you have to manage? How many people in IT are working in media market? Yeah, so I can tell you that we have um, we have um, about a thousand stores. Uh, we're in 14 markets uh, across Europe. Mm -hmm. um, we are the number one or number two in most of our markets that we operate in. Um, we're, a, we're the largest consumer electronics retailer. Uh, in Europe, um, the second largest in the world next to Best Buy. Um, so we're a very large organization. We have 65,000 employees um, across the 14 markets we operate in. 
um, in technology. Um, I have around about um, 680 full-time employees and about 1,200, 1,000 people who work for me um, um, through external um, employees or contracts. And how many of those, like now, 1,000, almost like 2,000 people, how many real developers are in there? So how many people are already developing stuff for media markets? So, um, so uh, more and more. Um, and so one of the things that we've been doing is we've, uh, and a lot of um, organizations that go through uh, digital transformation are doing, is moving um, uh, their technology departments to be more engineering led. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things we are actively doing is hiring more engineers, people that can build things. Um, and our percentage of engineers is increasing all the time. Um, in the last year, we hired um, 140 engineers into MediaMarkt. Um, and um, we've got an engineering center in Munich where we um, um, have 55 people that code our front end. Um, we have more and more engineers joining us all the time. You've seen like the transformation into like a multinational company at Tesco, uh, uh, you've mentioned in the beginning. Um, is it like the same transformational process you're seeing now at Media Market or is it like it is different because the market environment changed already? Um, I think uh, uh, Media Market um, um, is a multi-channel business. It has been as long as I've seen it here. So we, you know, we offer products online, in stores, pick up in stores, um, ship to home, all of those different facets are available. Uh, to our customers. <coughs> I think the, um, the transformation that we've done here really um, has been about the way we, um, the way we do technology. Um, and so the journey has all been around getting more from tech, being more innovative and getting pace. Um, if I describe the journey uh, in a simplistic form, it's, it's around two facets. The first one is around um, the relationship with um, business and, and technology. And the second one is around technology itself. Um, in my view, the reason why um, traditional um, technology methods um, are slow, um, are expensive, um, 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 are, are difficult can, can to manage. Can you traditional methods? So what, what you well, mean? I'm talking about um, you know, traditional IT departments, so we say, and, and what I mean by that is kind of standard waterfall methods. Um, um, and the, um, uh, the reason why I say they're slow and they, um, um, uh, they're expensive is because uh, of two reasons typically. Um, uh, one is because of the relationship between the business and technology. The relationship is a hands-off relationship. Yeah. So the business teams um, would um, um, say, I want some stuff. Uh, the tech teams will then say, okay, what do you want? They'll write it all down and then they'll go away and start doing stuff. And then nine months later, they'll come up with something and the business teams will then say, well, that's not quite what I asked for. Or my business has changed, or can you do this? And then you're into change and more cost. Um, and so for me, that's kind of one part of the relationship. How do, how, do the, how do the business and how do technology work together? And then the second part of the way of working is how do we do technology itself? So how do we build code? Um, what tooling do we use? Um, how do we take the, the organization handoffs away? Uh, and so these are the two facets that I see. So oh, okay, and, and this like this kind of transformation here. Just in the, we are we are going to talk about the transformation of the company as a total. Uh, yeah. But just in the IT department, uh, how does it work? So my experience, I, I share some of my experience. So um, I, can, I was working for the um, Auto Group, uh, a major company in, um, in, in in Germany, um, for a couple of uh, a couple of years ago, and their IT department was like uh, it was like building number three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, usually, all the 
basement areas uh, have been used by the IT department. Most of the IT guys did not develop stuff, though they managed agencies or did some architectural work, whatever this was uh, uh, back at the time. And, and they did say exactly uh, what, you, uh, what you've said. So there was like a, some kind of requirement, there was like a handover, and there was no Q&A involved, and uh, everything took way too long. But in the new agile world, which you're now heading to, most of these roles in the IT department are not needed anymore because they, um, the stuff they manage, the risk they mitigate, mitigated uh, in the time when waterfall processes uh, were the, was the leading method uh, for mm. IT departments, mm. uh, um, they're not needed and they don't have the skills. So even though um, Otto or other bigger companies do have a lot of people in IT department, though my experience was that it's super hard to transform even those people that are very, very close to IT into the more agile organizations. Do, do you share this or do we have a different take? No, here? I mean, I have, a, I, have a, I have a slightly different take and, and, and let me explain why. I mean, the first thing is to be clear on kind of why have we changed as an organization? Why is technology now becoming such an important topic in every company that we, that, um, or should be an important topic in most companies? And I'll tell you the reason why is because, uh, and the reason why IT's moved from kind of the basement to actually <laughs> a different level in the office is because um, <laughs> technology now has moved from being a, 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 a cost center, um, i.e. something which costs you money but you know you need, um, to a revenue generator, yep. I something that's going to give you new forms of revenue that's going to allow you to touch customers in a different way. So the conversation with technology in any organization, in most organizations, in retail in, in particular, has changed. Um, I reflect on, um, on, on the, the, the journey in Tesco. Um, when I go back, you know, five, six, seven years, um, the biggest um, um, uh, and uh, the most, one of the most important departments, and there are many important departments, um, was probably the property department because they put down stores and they did them the best and they were the best at doing that. Um, and therefore the business grew because they, they did them faster, they did them better, and they did them um, um, cheaper than anybody else. Now there are many other reasons, um, but actually that's one of the things that you could sit there and say this is how the business actually started to grow. Um, um, I think today um, um, businesses are starting to look at um, um, A, there's no more space, so it's hard to put more stores down, but also um, um, technology is now becoming a big, a big um, um, uh, real estate through which you sell, through which you communicate, through which you do uh, touch your customers. Uh, and so the conversation certainly in Tesco moved from kind of you know, property and big property conversation to technology. Um, and when you start to focus on a conversation around well, what can we do with tech, um, you have to then think about, well, how do we do tech and, and, and how do we do it differently? Um, and I think for that, that's then moved um, um, the um, solutions. If I reflect on my journey, um, I started uh, with Accenture and I started in technology, I started, I started coding. Um, and then the world moved to packages. So somebody else coded and you put them in. And that was because technology was a cost center. Let's buy a package, let's put the package in, and let's, let's make it work. And it doesn't matter if someone else uses that package, it's just, we just need to get it in. And so the demand for skills moved from engineers to program managers, because they program manage the solution, they then work with engineers who were the package you bought. Now as technology is now uh, becoming um, uh, the tool that you use to touch your customers is you want to be you want to innovate there so you want to own that space and therefore you want to own your engineers so what's happening is that there's a migration of you know I used to engineer I then put packages in now we need to engineer again 
because that's what our business requires. But, but, but how do you manage this? So, so that is actually the, exactly the view we have in, uh, uh, with our solution. So I give you like a, a super short pitch is like you can either sell better products, mm. then you have to go with like the standard package business and you go to a SaaS platform mm. and buy like an e-commerce shop from SaaS mm. platform or you go to a SaaS mm. PIM system and buy, because you don't differentiate mm. uh, uh, on the website experience or device experience or you're in a world where you're selling better. Mm. And selling better is usually explained by having a better take on software, meaning better personalization, yes. better cohort analysis, better take on yes. data. If this is your competition now, then uh, by definition, you can't use off-the-shelf software because this was uh, produced for a standard case. So it's because you can't, you can't, you can't compete uh, with exactly. your competition by having a, a better SAP integration, just exactly. as an example. Exactly. Uh, and uh, this is actually the world where we are in, so we are selling not the ready-to-go Playmobil castle, yep. we are yep. selling uh, Lego Technic. Yep. So you don't need to produce your bricks, you can use our bricks, but you build whatever you want. Yep. But this comes with a, a very interesting uh, a challenge. It just comes with a challenge that in your old organization, you didn't build the skills to build something based on Lego Technic. Yes. You only uh, you only train the skills to uh, play with uh, Playmobil yep. House. And, yep. Playmobil, and the Playmobil yep. castle uh, uh, did a superb job yep. for a couple of years, yep. and then you need you you're now needing uh, um, new skills. And sometimes you know, is it like little technique you need? Is it like Fisher Technic, which is another popular uh, uh, toy producer in, uh, in Germany, or is it something else? Yeah. And then it's then it's a very 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 interesting uh, uh, discussion now, which we are observing in the market. Okay, should we go with? Um, Super hot new front end frameworks uh, should be like uh, should be like uh, migrate the PIM system to our now um, own Python stack and yeah. should we migrate yeah. the CRM system to a, a much a much much hipper I don't know uh, PHP stack yeah. and then there's a team uh, acquired maybe from another company which was trained based uh, in Ruby on Rails yeah. Yeah. and of course they're saying that the best uh, language you can use for the uh, auto management system. Yep. So how, how do you manage this? Is this like for I companies that are still in the Playmobil uh, yeah. skills skill set, super yeah. hard to manage? So I think, look, I think, I think for, um, for all of these things, there's always, the answer is always somewhere in the middle. Because um, um, you have to think about cost, you have to think about speed to market, you have to think about where do you want to innovate and where, do you, where you don't want to innovate. So let me take an example. Um, there is no way I want to build a general ledger. Why would I want to do that? I can go buy one. Um, there's no, I want to build an accounts processing um, software. Why? Because there's no innovation there for my customers. I just got to get the best on the market and I got to get that in and get it working. However, when it comes to my front end, my website, when it comes to uh, my front end installs, when it comes to my analytics, well, that's where I want to have innovation. That's where I want to build. So you end up with a hybrid model. You end up with an area where you have engineers and you have to have that kind of skill. And you end up with areas where you will need, you know, Traditional program management, package configuration, and that kind of that kind of skills. Because actually, you have to you have to make a choice as to where you want to where you want to um, um, innovate, and where you want to invest, and where you want to buy a package, and where you want to just make sure that you let you let the you let the vendor invest in innovation. 
And that's kind of that's kind of point one because, frankly, as a, as an organisation, we 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 can't afford to spend billions like Amazon does on R and D. So we have to buy in certain places. Um, so we have to choose where we where we where we where we actually are engineering and where we put our engineers. And I think that's, that's the, that would be the case for most organisations. So they'll all, they'll mostly end, mostly end up if you're not a tech company, you'll mostly end up with a bit of a hybrid. Now, having said that. Um, um, we need more engineers, for sure. And so the mix, the balance of, of, of um, you know, program management versus engineer has shifted way towards engineering. So if I look at the mix of, um, of, of, of resources that we're going to need, it will be tilted towards engineers. But also what's important are product people. We need people who can define the product, who can define the roadmap, who can then work with engineers to make sure what we're building has value, the value's there, uh, can then look at the data coming back from the analytics and then can say this is the feature I want next. So suddenly there's a skill set around product that's required. And then because um, we're a complex multi-channel organization, we're not like a single website, you know, we, 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 we're, you, know, you can go full stack, we have to think about some of our um, systems that operate in-store and online and how they work seamlessly. And so there is a need for architecture and there is a need for program management. Um, it's just the shift will be focused more towards engineering the program management shift will be towards more technical program management. There's still an important role to have, um, and we still need architects. That's what I. That's what I see. You might need a different mix of them, but you'll still need. You'll still need them. And how, how do you pick your fight then? On what kind of uh, part do you want to innovate, and what kind of part do you want to invest only uh, in software? You because I, I can think about like let's take like uh, just the DevOps uh, area. So I think there was a lot of innovation in there like five years ago, and then people tried to compete who is better in terms of Docker container management uh, and, and and other technology, and maybe. This is not the market anymore. You want to innovate because there's some standard tools you can buy from I don't know Azure, yeah. Google, um, yeah. AWS, and then you need to innovate now more on the uh, what we're seeing now is like the new interfaces. Could be yeah. a voice interface, could be like a um, button interface, could be even other interface. So how how do you I pick those five? Because uh, just to build the skill in the DevOps area takes you like, I don't know, a year, maybe yeah, two? Yeah. I think, look, I think, I think you have to, frankly, as a retailer, you have to follow the customer. And what, I mean, what do I mean by that? It means that you have to think about what are you doing and it, how is this going to help my customer and how is it going to help me innovate for my customer? That's kind of, that's my simple answer. So there'll be areas, uh, topics where actually, um, the, the, from an engineering perspective, the systems may not be great, but actually, does it really matter to the customer? But there'll be areas where it does, and we have to then do something about that. So in the example that you've given, right, you know, Docker containers, what do you use? We have to then decide, well, how will that allow me to innovate features for my customer faster, quicker, simpler, cheaper? And if it does, I innovate there. If what I have doesn't, I use what I got. And that's the principle that we try and, we try and lay down. Um, and that's just a practical principle, because actually we, we, you know, we, we, we literally can't get, I mean, I can't get the engineers I need. Um, because everyone's after them, and so we have to think about that, um, um, and we have to pick pick and choose where we think actually we're going to get the maximum value for the money we put. Yeah, that will be actually my next question. So, how how do you find the engineers? And we're always doing like the jokes around uh, uh, around the, the Munich area that everybody who's able to write PHP. Uh, uh, just see letters, not like <laughs> coding, uh, will be hired like as an engineer. And, that, and, and, and actually, most companies haven't even started the hiring spree here. So if you're looking to BMW or other big companies in the Munich area, they, they will need not only PHP engineers, a lot of engineers, but there's like 
maybe tens of thousands of people need it, which are not there and can't be like trained to yeah. become engineers. I think, what, what uh, is your take look, on this? I mean, I think um, it is difficult. Um, we've actually done okay. You know, since, um, since October last year, we have hired 140. Um, um, uh, mainly engineers, and not all engineers. In Just in Munich and Ingolstadt? Or? Yeah, mm. yeah, we have. Um, now it's, been, it's not been easy. Um, 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 we've had a compelling story, which which helps because we've transformed our tech organisation and our business organisation. We've created eighty-four product teams, um, comprising of product owners and engineers working together to solve business problems. Um, we've moved on to Google, onto Google Cloud. We're using the React stack, so we're using technologies that people want to code in. Um, um, and we're solving business problems um, that um, uh, people want us to solve. And what's interesting is um, most of the people that we hire come to us and I ask them, why, why, why do you want to join us? And a lot of them say, well, I used to shop with MediaWark, so I find the business interesting. And so actually there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that, that you know, we're part of their life um, and have been because we've been in Germany for 40 years, we've been in most of our markets for a number of years. Uh, and so they find the, 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 um, the business fascinating, they find the journey we're on fascinating and we are on a journey, we are on a transformation journey, we are on a change journey. Um, and they find that an interesting story. The reason why I came here, you know, I, when, I, when I joined the, um, the business I had a choice. I had a choice um, between coming out of my house and turning right and driving 20 minutes and being in my office or coming out of my house, getting up at five in the morning, turning left, and driving to the airport, and then flying here. Um, and I fly here every week. I took that choice because of the journey we're on. I took that choice because of the, what we're trying to do as a business. I took that choice because of what, how important technology was in that journey. And, um, and so, um, and so um, um, uh, when, you, when you talk about that narrative and that story, um, I find that a lot of people are choosing to join us because they understand the story we on, we're on, and they therefore want to be part of that. Um, 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 but we have to keep innovating and we have to keep solving problems. <laughs> okay, the story might work for now, and, and, but if you're looking on, like you said, it's like 64,000 people uh, across all countries working for media market right now. If you're believing in our own stories in like digital innovation and transformation, though, uh, um, uh, a decent part of these uh, employees must be part of the engineering product organization in the future. So a couple of thousand, I would, um, I'm, I, I, I could think of. So 100 is fine, but how do you get like a thousand, two thousand, three thousand people over the next five, maybe ten years? I don't know, in the different uh, uh, countries um, working for media market. So are you thinking about? New showering, uh, offshoring uh, yeah. capabilities. I, I mean, so look, how do you I, do it? I, I, you know, I, I don't see me having um, an organ, an end state tech organization of that sort of size. I think the size that we are at today will be broadly the size that we're going to be at tomorrow. We will do more stuff ourselves. We are very dependent on partners. Um, something like sixty percent of my costs go to uh, partners that we use, and we want to do more of that ourselves because we want to take control of it. So, I see a shift. Um, um, and however, even with the numbers I'm talking about, you know, circa 1,200, 1,300 people, um, we are, we, you know, we, we, I don't expect to hire uh, uh, nearly that sort of number um, in, um, in, uh, in Ingolstadt or in Munich. Um, so we have to start thinking about satellite centers. Um, already we use, um, we have a center in Cluj. Uh, we have about 280 people that work, do stuff for us there. 
um, okay. and uh, it's in Romania. Okay. In Romania, um, we've gone to Cluj because they speak they speak German there, and it, and it works very well. Um, and and um, it has worked very well for many years. We are um, um, starting; it's in its initial stages um, um, uh, to to uh, put more engineering into into our uh, office in Barcelona. We have 40 people there that um, uh, that do start to do stuff for us there. So, I think we um, um, I will see um, as the work grows how we'll start to use satellite centers to get the engineers we need. Um, and we will obviously use partners because you know uh, the technology is very spiky in terms of you know the workload comes and goes and skills comes and goes. Suddenly I have to do work in this area and I don't have the skills. So we'll always have a need for partners. Um, we just shift in the focus from 60% um, of my spend being with partners to more of my spend being internally and 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 and, and less being with partners. All right, uh, that's interesting because I would have expected that yeah, even like 1,000 engineers and maybe plus. 1,000 people at, at partners wouldn't do the trick because it's, there's like more and more stuff coming. So there's yeah. like less dependency on the brick and mortar experience. So that's something, something Wolfgang Kirsch uh, would have been agreed in the last podcast. But I, I'm pretty much convinced that it's uh, 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 that people want to shop from uh, from the home of the sofa. So there's no need for store experience in the, uh, in the future um, as there is so much need today, but uh, uh, that's a different uh, that's a different dis uh, that's a different discussion. Well, it's interesting because the market mar the market's not saying that. It's interesting, I, and I, I have a view on this. I mean, I think if you go back four or five years, you're absolutely right, um, and people were people were sitting there saying, you know what, that that you know the stores are dead. If you listen to the market today, stores are now sexy. They really are. Why? Who is telling the story? Well, I think I think um, I think. Well, I, I would I would I would listen to um, a number of um, consultancy companies that talk about retailing. A number of you know you go to McKinsey, Bain, all those guys, and what they say about it. Now, just to be clear, stores have to transform. So they can't be in the, you know they can't be the way they are today. They have to become new, a different kind of store for sure. Um, but um, you know, ask, answer the question: Why did Amazon buy Whole Foods? What was the rationale behind that? They bought stores because there is the I think oh, they bought logistics hubs. Well, I think well, so so that's frankly what is a store then? You know, in the future. So I see in the future um, a store could be would 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 be a showcase for your products. There will be a logistics hub to get to the last mile. There will be a, a place where you will come for information. Um, I think that um, um, for a lot of people, and um, when you spend. Um, a thousand euros on a TV, um, you want to come speak to someone and say, why do I buy that one versus that one? Which, what, that, why is that one better than that one? Now you can research it online and people that, some people will want to do that and that's okay. But a lot of people want to come and talk to someone, yeah. an expert, yeah, you um, know, yeah, and then you, go and buy it. You know, I, I don't listen so much to like McKinsey or Gardner or, <laughs> or, or Sincere. That I listen actually, uh, uh, I try to listen to the customer and yeah. they're always seeing that numbers are are pretty clear about that, and maybe there are like there's need for stores, uh, um, but for our different store experience, and maybe like even the business itself will transform from buying products from manufacturers to like selling store space. Yeah, and that's a different like uh, concession uh, model. But there's like there's need for less stores, and like the financing model of the stores must must change. And uh, so, so there's of I mean, course I, of, I, an, an end, and and that's most important learning. Most innovation comes off comes out of uh, digital interfaces, and yeah. now it's maybe the mobile interface and the yeah. voice interface. It's becoming more the A AR interface yeah. in the future. That it, they are very, very, very good connected to the customer wherever wherever the customer is. Now he's at home, or now when we're sitting here at work, we can order something on our app or something. That there's no need, and of course we are living in our own bubble, so it's 
you're, you're asking people here in the same uh, age bracket, they're going to answer, no, I, I, I avoid like, every trip to the uh, next electronic store, so next, to the next store, yeah. I, I order online what I, I want to order online, and then I see my, uh, 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 my father-in-law, and of course, he wants to go uh, with the uh, TV experience. Uh, you have to decide that there's not enough, like, revenue in the future. That was like the discussion we uh, No, no, we I think, look, I mean, I, don't, don't get me wrong, I, I think stores have to transform. And I think stores have to become different, um, for sure. There, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, um, but I do think that from what, what, what we see, you know, certainly from, and we do listen to our customers, um, 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 there are those that are going online, there are those that are going online and in store, there are, there are those that come into store and then go online. There's a, yeah. And if, for me, it's that seamless shopping experience that becomes the important, the important um, um, uh, thing to get right. And I do think that what stores offer us is exactly what you described, what Amazon done, they're off, they offer us the last mile. Yeah. And, they, and so they will, you know, a lot of our stores um, will be used for last mile delivery. Okay. Um, Let's assume there's a need for stores. Let's go with that. So I don't have like uh, the final question, uh, the final answer here. Uh, Certainly for the uh, next five years. But in, uh, <laughs> in terms of like now, now stores are uh, still very important, and you can see just to sheer numbers, it's like still 90% of all the uh, retail uh, revenue uh, generated in stores. Um, if you're looking on your omni-channel, multi-channel challenges, like from a technical perspective, um, there had been like a lot of discussion in the German-speaking markets about like it's really hard to uh, scale, it's really hard to integrate uh, the retail experience, the brick-and-mortar experience into the online experience, and all the efforts you're doing uh, with integration is uh, decreasing your capability of uh, delivering a, a superb, um, pure online experience. Yep. So you need to invest a lot just for like the omni-channel part, and yeah. then the pure online part is got less developer attention, and the retail part got less attention. So, what is your take on this? So, what, what, what do you say is the hardest thing in omni-channel from an IT perspective today? So, for, for me, the hardest thing is fixing the legacy, because the, the reality is, um, what's happened historically with most retailers is you had a store business, and the store business had a set of systems. We then bolted on an online business on the side, and it was literally a bolt-on. And so take a simple example. My store system has a basket. Where you, if you shop in store, you add to a basket. My online system has a different basket. It's two different baskets, but it's the same customer. And so one of the challenges we have is if you want to truly become seamless across physical and digital, it's got to become one basket. And if you're in the world of packages, well, what do you do there? You've got a package over here with one basket, and we have a package over here with one basket, and we have a package over here with another basket. And we had, well, actually, we don't have a package. Tesco had a package with another basket. So then it becomes a complex um, refactoring job to then think, well, how do I build this thing? Um, um, particularly given what I've got, you know, I've got, you know, I've got a thousand stores, and they've all got this thing. Um, so how do I change it? Yeah. And so the, the problem becomes um, um, actually your legacy and how you deal with your legacy yeah. um, as you as you move um, through that journey. So what are we doing at Media Mark Saturn? Well, we are replatforming our front end, um, and we're moving from a package um, to a custom build. We're moving out of web sphere and we're moving to a custom build. So we're building ourselves. Now, not only would that allow us to um, um, build features and deploy features quickly, we're doing it on Google Cloud so we can scale faster. We don't, we don't have to spend months um, getting ready for Black Friday. It'll auto-scale, so we're building it that way. Um, um, but more importantly, we're building a multi-channel basket. So the basket we're creating is a multi-channel basket, and the basket we will then follow you around. And and how would that work? So I have like a customer loyalty card, which I need to activate uh, during the checkout process, and then you know in my 
online account um, yes. that's like popping exactly. up uh, one PS4 exactly. and one TV or whatever? I mean, the, the, the theory is that actually I could, I, could, I could be researching online, I could like a product, and I can say, look, I want to talk to someone about that. I can add it to my basket online. I can then walk into a store, uh, and through some form of identification, you know, to be determined, it could be your phone, it could be your ID, it could yeah. be your club card ID, we can then say, oh, you've got an open basket, let's talk to you about that product. Yeah. You can then check out there or then, you can then check out there and say, can I have it in my home, can I get it delivered, or can I take it with me, depending on what it is. You can then add to your basket there, say, actually, yeah. I want to buy this, this, and this, oh, by the way, I want someone to come and install it, can, and add it to my basket, and you'll check out once. So, and how, how far away That's are you from relieving this uh, I, universal basket experience? I think we're very close to it. That's uh, that uh, something Christian told you to say. I'm pretty sure. No, no, no. <laughs> no I tell you why. Because because um, um, the um, the refactoring of the online uh, mm -hmm. that we're doing is already live. It's it's live. You know, it, it, it's being A/B tested. We have a, a number of customers who are using it. You know, our select um, our screen, um, uh, product has been done. So 30% of customers in Germany. Then we've got 10% on search and browse. We're building some of the other other, other products out, and then we we have a plan to roll that out and then roll it out across the group. So we've got to think about the group. Um, the multi-channel basket is being built. Um, we hope to get it starting to start to test that uh, probably early next year. Uh, once we're happy that those journeys work, that will get rolled out. And then the job is to get it built, rolled out around the world. Yeah. Another question that came up here when I asked our technical guys here in the office uh, 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 what kind of uh, stuff is interesting in the MediaMarkt um, um, IT environment is say, um, well, we've heard about it that the, a lot of product teams are, or you're using a very microservice-driven structure. So product teams and IT teams say if everybody can maybe not all of the 84 teams, but most teams can build their own services, uh, which are then connected. And that is something we've learned is super hard to manage because there's no there's no real debugging procedure. There's like the PIM team is like pointing to the CRM team that they're missing something in their API. And then the CRM team is, uh, is like pointing to the catalog management team saying, okay, no, there's some data missing. And it's really, really, really hard to... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, we, uh, to manage. So, what was your experience? We, uh, we're, 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 in the, we're, we're knee deep in those problems. So, everything that you've described, I recognize as issues that we're facing. Um, I, I wouldn't describe our architecture as moving towards microservices. Um, and the reason why I say that is because we have a, a significant legacy estate to deal with. Um, and you can't move to microservices when I have um, packages, I have SAP, I have yeah. legacy systems to deal with. So, but we are moving towards APIs. So the interaction um, uh, method between um, domains, I want to happen through an API. The reason why we're doing that is because it allows us to become independent at the domain level. So if then each team can then iterate on functionality and release functionality quickly and shield themselves to some extent from the supporting um, 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 areas. So that's the theory. Um, and, um, and so um, we're doing it more as a way of, becoming, of, of having uh, more independent teams um, and allowing each team to innovate independently um, than actually moving towards proper microservices. Um, now we're at the start of the journey. So just to be clear, we're not, we're not, we're not, we've, our first API um, uh, was launched about um, th two or three weeks ago, the Price API, um, the, web, the new web shop is consuming it. Um, we, we're learning you know, exactly what you've described. I want some more data. Where is that data? How do I get it? So that needs to be figured out. Um, we plan to build our first 15 or so APIs in the next six months. Um, and so we're really learning how to then learn, work in this, in this space. But for me, 
Um, this is all about um, uh, uh, having teams that can work independently and then having contracts and commitments that you have with the other teams and you honour the commitment and you honour the contract so they can all work independently. That's the idea. Yeah, I, I, I'm just asking this question because it was, was a huge, huge move uh, towards like microservice-driven structures a couple of years ago when yeah. all the people tried to get rid of their Intershop hybrids, uh, yeah. monolithic installations, yeah. but it's... Uh, Uh, we we use like a joke in the office telling that those microservice structures usually are now distributed monoliths, yeah. so even harder to manage, yeah. uh, even um, harder to debug. And we're not we're not yeah. doing that. No. We're not doing that. Okay. Uh, and then uh, uh, one question, which is like specifically 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 interesting uh, now is is there like uh, is there like now a team preparing for like Black Friday traffic? So how yes. you're like a big company and there's like yes. uh, probably some uh, yes. coupon uh, yes. uh, stuff going on. Uh, yes. I think it's next week Friday. I'm it, not is. Sure. it is. So it is. How do you manage this? So. Well, I mean, because we are, um, you know, um, still on our old, um, our old front end systems, um, um, we have a pretty proven process for doing this. We've done it for the last few years, so we have teams who um, um, are pretty much getting geared up for Black Friday. They have um, been testing volumes. Um, for um, expected volumes for the last few weeks to make sure that all the various uh, bottlenecks have been addressed. Um, we luckily we've been fortunate to have um, uh, we had a VAT um, initiative uh, a few weeks ago here in Germany. We've also had one in Spain, so we've put some volumes through our systems and they scaled well. Um, and so we're in a place whereby we've um, in through real um, um, programs have managed to make sure that our systems will and can scale. Um, when Black Friday happens, we have a 24 by 7 operations team who are on site, um, just monitoring the systems and making sure that uh, they're running they're running systems through. Any bottlenecks, we have a waiting waiting room if we need to switch it on. Um, last year we didn't have to at the uh, uh, VAT event, didn't have to, so we are confident we'll be ready for Black Friday. Okay. Um, and so, but it's quite a um, it's quite a manually intensive task. It requires a lot of people to get ready for it, to be on call, to prepare for it, to get the testing done for it. So, uh, and that's largely because of the systems that we have. How, how do you decide on uh, on how much uh, people, how much resources you put on your uh, uh, recent issues and like rolling out like the seamless omnichannel experience or the new. Uh, uh, the new um, uh, universal basket, whatever, uh, versus kind of innovative topics which were uh, uh, pushed into the market through um, different conference formats. The one topic was like voice last year, very, mm. very popular. Mm. Now it's uh, artificial intelligence and then there's like AR is coming though. Um, is it really important like for your vision for the next like one or two years or Beacon was like the topic of like two or three years ago? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I remember Beacon playing with yeah. them in the stores. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 so what is your take on innovation uh, for this level? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, we have a, we have a, a chief innovation officer, uh, Martin Wilde, who does a lot of work um, with lots of startups and also innovative, innovative, innovative technology, um, um, which is great. So a lot of the things that he does um, really stretches that thinking. Um, The things that I can see us now doing, because we've now initiated these product teams, is we have a mechanism where innovation through a backlog can get into operations. That's the idea. 
Uh, and so as a, as a product owner, uh, your job is to define your roadmap. Uh, working with technology, your job is, is, is then to work out, well, actually, what innovation can I use to deliver value to my business? Uh, and so my hope is that through these product teams, we will get more and more innovation actually live because um, it'll be on the backlog. They'll understand what the value is. They'll monitor it. They'll A-B test it. They'll prove the value. And then if we're happy, we'll go. That's the idea. Before the product teams, I think the vehicle for delivering innovation was very difficult because it was more a case of, well, I got something, a great idea, how do I get it in? And I'm going to knock on people's doors and, and they're then saying, well, I'm doing this first. And so it was, a, it was more of a, I need to go and influence people. Now, actually, because we have these product teams, it is a case of working with the product owners to then define the value, get it prioritized in the backlog and off we go. So it should be easier. But, but, but don't you think, don't you think like uh, media market has like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy potential here? Like uh, Amazon proof, for example, with the voice stuff, they just build stuff nobody was asking for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and, and pushed it in, into the market. Of course, like on a different level when it comes to sheer potential of R&D money uh, um, spend. But isn't there something you can... You can imagine to be like an innovator in like a smart home environment, like uh, I think uh, I th doing something yourself? I, I think we absolutely can. And I think we are positioning ourselves to get ready for that. Um, I think, um, um, you know, historically um, it's just been a little bit diffi difficult because we've been a very decentralized business. Moving forward with the product teams, with the mechanisms we're putting in place, this will become a lot easier. The opportunities for us are actually uh, significant. Um, I can see that and, I, I, and I, I'm, I'm absolutely confident in the next um, few months you'll see some of these things coming um, uh, to production. Okay, and now I have to I have to uh, uh, take Willem's view on the Wimlex interviews here, and uh, there's like one question still uh, um, still open. So, how many people do you have like working on the let's say data analytics layer uh, in the tech organization? So, how many people are there to extract data from all the systems and try to find out about the customer's behavior to give like information to the purchasing department or to the customer service department? Uh, is there like a Uh, uh, a centralized uh, data analyst team in there, or is it like part of the marketing department? No, I mean there isn't. There isn't. There isn't a centralized team um, at the moment. Um, uh, a lot of the teams um, do their own data analysis. Um, but what we are doing very is, dangerous. Yeah. What we are doing, um, <laughs> and what we are doing is we're building a, data, a new data lake. Um, we are taking um, um, all of our data, putting it into the lake, and then starting to build. Um, um, proper um, um, uh, cubes on the, on the back of that. So one of the first use cases we're doing is we're building a, uh, a pricing cockpit. So we're helping our pricing team uh, with different elasticity curves um, to then really to help them with price, price analysis. We'll do the same this year with, um, with customer analysis. So we are bringing a lot of these things together um, onto our analytics platform. We're building a new platform on Google, um, uh, on Google Cloud. Um, and we're, we're launching our first use case in the next in the next month or so, um, and more will come. So we're on a journey there as well. Um, um, the journey is the right journey, um, but um, yeah, we'll get there. I, I think the journeys itself they are pretty clear. Like in in housing stuff, like uh, uh, restructuring IT teams, data. It's uh, the, the the question for me is, and that's why I'm so interested in y your take on in-house ontology, how fast can you uh, uh, walk through the journeys? Because there's more and more journeys to come, like in the yeah. different stream, and the, and the ones who are able to run through the journeys, uh, uh, they, they, they're going to be the winners. It's interesting. If you ask our business teams, they'll probably say, we're not going fast enough. If you ask us, we're going much faster than we were, and we're getting faster all the time. 
and and so I think I think um, um, you know the amount of innovation that's going to happen in the next six months is probably going to be more than innovation has happened in the last four years. So we have to constantly. This is why we've changed. This is why we've built agile product teams. This is where we can think very quickly. Um, 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 uh, adjust our backlog and very quickly take advantage of the latest latest innovation ideas that are out there. That's the theory. We're at the start of the journey. Um, um, but I'm hoping that through what we're trying to create, uh, we will start to go much, much, much quicker and we'll start to see more innovation come out. Cool. Is there something, and that's my last question, is there something like for 2019 which you're really looking forward to, like a, a big challenge, a big project, a, a big launch of whatever? Um, the reality is um, we are... In retail, there are a number of big pillar systems. You know, your store system, your order your order broker, your online systems, um, your supply chain systems, your category management systems. Um, at Media Marks House, we're replacing all of them. And we're doing them all together. That's what we're doing. So we have um, um, our new store system with our cross-channel baskets um, due to get launched. We have a new website being launched as we speak across the group. Uh, we have a new supply chain platform that we're creating that, we, that we're going to launch in the next, in the next few weeks um, um, in Germany and in Holland, and then we're going to roll that out. Um, and so um, if I were fast forward a year, I would expect a lot of innovation to be going into our organization and a lot of change in the way our business operates through technology. Um, um, but the exciting thing about what we're doing is that every pillar of uh, you know, foundational systems that you would think about, we are innovating or replacing. And yeah. so, That's and an so interesting the, challenge. Answer, the answer yeah. to your question is I hope to see lots next year. Cool. Lots next year. That, uh, that's a nice outlook to 2019, and uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're going to see you again in the Wimlick Show or, or one of our other podcasts. I'd love to come back and give you an update yeah. as to where we are. Thanks a lot for your time here Thank in the you. Spiker headquarters in Berlin, and uh, good luck with your challenges in 2018 and 19, and with the Black Friday. Thank you course. very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.